The following podcast brought to you by MassInSports.com, your home for Orioles and Nationals baseball. Hey, those fans, welcome to this week's edition of Yard Work alongside Steve Molesky. I'm Brian Ellish. Steve, how you doing, man? Hey, doing good, Brian. Good. It's hard to believe it's we're almost uh, near the All-Star break. This season seems to have flown by. I don't know about you, but... It's just day by day, man. You look up one day and they played 70 games. I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> so, um, as we always do, let's start off with a weekly recap. Um, it was currently sitting at 41-30, and 30, 11 games over 500, uh, one and a half games atop the AL East. They were two games this time yesterday but uh boston rallied for a win against the white Sox uh while the Orioles had a day off so uh red Sox gained a game there um last 10 games five and five so again as we always talk about a little little good little bad as they go along which is which is what you kind of expect uh they're still 13 and 8 in june uh but um i think most fans would uh take their situation uh heading towards the end of june here um Steve, I guess leading off the big big news for today, at least as we film this, is Machado returns to the lineup after the four-game suspension. Right. Um, he missed four games. During those four games, the team went 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The offense actually kind of really didn't skip too many beats. They scored 11 runs, 3, 7, and 7 in those four games. Um, and again, the 2-2 two and two record, probably more due to some suspect pitching there. Um, but again, I think it'll be nice to have the guy back who's hitting 317 on the year with yeah. 17 homers right well you know and he um he was getting hot again when that's when the suspension uh hit with the serving of it so well, i think so, like well over 400 for like a seven or ten game stretch something like that was really driving the ball so they yeah, good to have him back and then the question is did that you know being off four days did that take the hot out of the bat you know is it going to take him a few at bats to get back up to speed which could be natural because in a sport where it's every day when you don't see at bats and pitch live pitching for a couple days that can feel like a lifetime for a player uh so um we'll see how he does when he comes back they'll be thrilled to have him back and i know buck will be thrilled to have a 25 man roster which was the biggest penalty you know besides losing manny being down a man and moves you couldn't make or he was reticent to make because the 24-man roster was uh, impactful. Sure, and we saw a, a flurry of different moves uh, maybe over the past week or two, everything from you know sending Yanish down to uh, Norfolk there and moving some guys around the bullpen and calling up uh, right. Drake and things like that. So certainly a lot of pieces to move around. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting is, I guess, with Machado coming back, obviously Flaherty will go back to being his super utility role now mm-hmm. that you've got a, a healthy Hardy, which um, – Boy, it's it's it certainly was was nice to see Flaherty kind of heat up at the bat and show a little bit of that power that we yeah, know definitely. he has from time to time. It's kind of crummy timing that he'll have to go back on the bench with a hot bat, like you said. But hey, that's what we call a good problem to have. I, I would the thing say. about Flaherty, it's never been in a position where he's had a team that's been able to give him 500 at bats and play him every night and let him really. You know, in addition to being a Rule 5 guy where he missed his AAA season pretty much and missed some development, you come into major leagues and you're not a regular, it's tough to hit at the highest level you can hit. You know, it's it's not a coincidence that when he plays six, eight, ten games in a row, sometimes we see his bat take off a little bit because you're you're getting the reps, and that that's helpful. And so, one of the hardest things to do in this game, I think, is to not play and then play once a week and get hits. You know, right. it's hard to do. So. Um, He's got some pop in the bat we've seen, and he's very valuable because he can fill in for many positions, as you said. Right, absolutely. And you mentioned, again, taking some time to get back. We'll see if Machado does go through that. Um, we've seen a little bit of that from J.J. Hardy. Again, came back from the DL. We, it's a shame we filmed this on, on Friday and got posted on Saturday, and then 
Saturday night, there was a lot of things that actually happened. You know, Gallardo <laughs> returning, Hardy returning. So right. we're kind of a little bit uh, behind on the eight ball on those. But uh, Hardy's played five games since he's been back from the disabled list. Um, looks like he's healthy. I haven't seen any signs where he's he came back too soon or anything that or that regard. He's hitting two fifty. He's got an RBI. So again, it's right. kind of what you'd expect for a guy who missed uh, some pretty serious. I'm just thrilled to have him back. You know, he's really uh, Manny and Scope lean on him so much out there and he's the the quarterback of the infield and you know i think some scouts have said uh you know manny is going to be a good shortstop but that's such a demanding position mentally it can wear on you you can't take a pitch off it's hard to do there's 150 pitches in a game and you really got to be locked in for 150 and i've always marveled that hardy can do that you know he might not have a ball hit him in three innings and then there's a rocket and boom he's right there right and but if he has if he laps for a half a second he doesn't make that play so that concentration that's needed on defense is so impressive by him and um, it's just like Linus with his blanket and Peanuts uh, character, you know, man. They just like having Hardy around. Absolutely. It just feels some – they feel more whole with him there. Well, I think we've been so spoiled as, you know, covering the Orioles and seeing a team that defensively is atop the league every year. Mm-hmm. And they make – the non-routine plays look very routine when, as you said, I mean, think about taking a couple innings where, yeah, you don't have any balls hit to you, and then all of a sudden you've got that that hard liner and maybe you have to try a quick double play or something like that. That's that's certainly easier said than done, and they they make it look easy, but uh, I think they would tell you it's it's not. Some of the stats don't create the Orioles defensively great right now. We know they've made a high number of errors. The pitchers have made a lot. But I I still would contend this is a top – in the top – four or five defensive teams in the league probably oh, sure. better than that and you know they're going to make a lot of plays and they're going to make a lot of plays that help them win on defense right i remember the the last live chat that we did in our web studio chris davis came by and and i think actually that was the one where rock filled in for his mc right. and <laughs> it was a little uncomfortable for him but um davis talked about hey how he um he really enjoys being successful as a defenseman at first base and we mm. see all these plays made and i know uh there's uh, you know guys like eric hosmer they get a lot of the the gold glove appreciation but i think it, it, it's um you really look at uh guys all through that infield all four of those positions there um definitely one of the, the i mean two things with davis right now um we see him often go first to third on a ball that a lot of big men would not do we see him go second to home and then we see the defense. So, I mean, with Davis, a lot of times the focus seems to be home runs and strikeouts. But Buck is always pointing out his defense. Sure. The scoops he makes, plays he makes, the athleticism he has. I mean, this guy, if he were in the NFL, he'd probably be an outside linebacker. Right. He's athletic. He's big. He big can guy. run, he can throw, and he's athletic. He's not a big, slow guy. He's a big, athletic guy. There's a big difference there. Right. And so we see that most nights with him. Uh, it, it can impact the Orioles on the bases and on defense. Sure, Absolutely. Um, so just kind of switching up again last Saturday, in addition to Hardy coming back, uh, Yvonne Gallardo got that first start. We had talked in a couple podcasts prior about what to expect from him, kind of followed him, followed him along as he was going through the rehab process. Um, gave five innings against the Blue Jays, allowed a couple earned runs, had four walks, five strikeouts, and got the win, which is you know uh, pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, I know it was almost a week ago, but um, what you see from Gallardo, what just thoughts on, on his outing and, and you know, um, Again, the stat line, not, not – Well, it was 360 ERA, I think, two runs in right. five innings, which most, you know, 
the oil rotation is a much higher ERA than 360. Exactly. Let's put it that yes. way. <laughs> so 360 every night would bring that down. Uh, but I think he's going to do well. And, I, and I've said repeatedly, let's give him four or five starts and then see where we're at and really judge it. But clearly things we saw in that first start was 91-92, which we weren't seeing in April on the gun, which, again, that was just one small part of it, but it was there, and that's important for him. Uh, the command is still coming, but he said he said repeatedly through this process to get back that he's had life and movement on his pitches that he didn't feel before the rehab. Right. He rehabbed his shoulder. So the good news is it seems clear to me that there was something wrong with the shoulder that was causing him to struggle in April. That doesn't mean he's going to be great after, but it means he's got a much better chance now because I think the shoulder is healthy. Can it stay healthy? That's a big if. We're going to see. Um, but I really like this 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 guy's uh, savvy, his poise, his approach. He doesn't panic with runners on base. Look at some of his runners on base stats. They're really good. And so he, he can lead some of the younger guys. I mean, I think Gallardo is going to prove to be a good pickup. I predicted in, in March he will have a better year than Wei Yin Chen, and I'm going to stick to that because I still nice. think he can. And Chen's ERA is five right now, and Gallardo's is six-something. And I think Yavani's going to be bringing it down. Chen probably will too. But I think at the end of the year – He'll be there with Shannon maybe ahead of him. I think he got a good shot at that bat. And now you mentioned just his his mindset and his savviness, and I think that's something that's a little underrated is is a player that can be realistic about whether it's expectations from an injury, whether it's expectations fully healthy, mm-hmm. what their what their limitations are and to be able to understand, hey, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I'd like to do. Everybody'd like to go out and throw a no hitter, of course, but right. you know, in a pitching. But it, to have that idea of saying, "Hey, these are my goals. This is what I think is attainable. Um, this is how I'm going to try to attain those goals." And if it doesn't yeah. happen, hey, at least I, I will have a good idea, maybe why it's not, and I can work to fix those things. You know, a young pitcher, and I'll use Mike Wright as an example. Uh, can get in a big jam and and you know you get the anxiety gets there it's tense it's pressurized and until you've done it a hundred times man and you've gotten out of a few of them uh, you know Gallardo he's like it's the first inning and it's the first batter right. the bases are loaded one out the stadium screaming and I just think he's in relaxed mode because he's been there done that and so Mike Wright he may get there one day and when Gallardo is Mike's experience level he probably wasn't nearly as relaxed exactly. as he is now and I think you need that on a staff with guys that. like Wright and Wilson and even Kevin Gosman who's you know I'd still consider a young guy there you know right. on, the, on the younger side of things yeah these guys pitch with like runners that. on base a lot they're, yeah. they're gonna have to be able to be good at the stretch they're going to have to be able to minimize damage there's a big difference if the base is loaded and you give up one run instead of four and maybe they're loaded two more innings later and you give up another one instead of four and at the end of the game you win five to four instead of losing ten to five you know because you didn't let a couple innings get away from you and he's got a real veteran's poise out there and a savvy and he adds and subtracts and he puts the ball where he needs to put it and there's he's a really a true pitcher right and so those guys for me are fun to watch you know i like to see 98 blow guy away of that's, course that's the power fun. of that Always is exciting fun. but but it's also fun to see a guy at his craft who's on top of his game. Absolutely, and, and it, we talk about it. it re- those are situations where every pitch really does matter, and mm-hmm. boy, one batter, one inning can can really get away with from you and be the difference between a win and a loss. So yeah. Um, we talked last week about how the rotation had kind of seemed to fall into this pattern where a couple of starts a week, you know, the starting pitcher would would struggle a little bit, and and then all of a sudden a pitcher who 
kind of was going under the radar, or at least maybe had struggled a, a few times previous, would come out and throw a solid start or a pitching jam and, and, and get a win and kind of say, oh, okay, yeah, that's – and we saw that again last week with Ubaldo coming out of the pen to make Wednesday start. Now, right. again, he wasn't, you know, a, you know, shut down completely, but uh, he got the win, um, pitched uh, – let's see, got the – Stat here was six innings pitch, two earned, quality start there. He allowed four walks, but as we know, Menez has always kind of struggled with with you know keeping guys off base with the walks. Yeah. Um, now I would say that is probably a situation where fans and maybe some media members, uh, who knows, the expectations were were not you know insurmountable there. They weren't that right. high. Low. And yet he, exactly, <laughs> and he comes out and, and pitches a solid inning. Is there really anything to pitching when the expectations aren't, aren't that great, when there's really, I don't want to say no pressure, because again, yeah. he's still fighting to to prove that he can be a starter in this league and things like that, but when they're lowered, is there anything to that? Because he seemed a lot. Well, it's out. interesting to note, in the last few weeks, Mike Wright was optioned, then he got a reprieve, and he pitched a great pitched game. Jim, right? Ubaldo went to the bullpen, then he got a reprieve, and he pitched a pretty good game. So you'd hope it wouldn't come to that, and it doesn't mean, you know, because Mike Wright struggled after he had that one good one, and Ubaldo may as well. Correct. And I don't think he's locked into another start. I mean, Buck is not committed to it. It doesn't mean he won't get it. Um, He has two spots to use the fifth starter before the break, and he said we're going to put our best foot forward, whatever that means when the time comes. So... Ubaldo's not clearly a set in the rotation again, right. but he pitched a good game. He needed to. He needed it more for him than the team almost. And uh, for one night, he he did the job. Right. I mean, he didn't fall out of the rotation from one start. He obviously won't climb back into it off one start. But I, it was nice to see, especially because I think, I think you know, without knocking on him too hard, I think a lot of times when when Menes, uh comes in, it's it's kind of okay. Is this going to be one of those rough outings where he, he struggles to to get three guys out in a row or is it is it one of those rare nights where he can um you know return to form and and really be be an effective pitcher so that was right. that was definitely nice See, even though it was against a, a team like the Padres hey you know what they're still a major league ball club and it's a ball club that put up 10 runs the night before uh so hey don't I, yeah. I don't put it, too much into the who the opponent is you still got to strike him out you still got to be effective with your pitches well and they've actually been you know one of the better hitting teams in the National League in June I think they're averaging five and a half runs a game coming into that start in the, in the month of June so they've been hitting well the Orioles saw the night before so he didn't just he didn't just beat a beat a team that doesn't have anything to offer on offense right. and it was a good night for him and the Orioles needed it to split that series right um I was just going to get your opinion on something that had the, the blogs going uh, this past week. Tuesday night, we kind of saw uh, some some cracks in the armor from the Orioles' bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Givens, he, um, his last four appearances, three and a third innings, he's allowed eight runs, five walks to the tune of 21 ERA there. Uh, total ERA from the year gone up from 180 to 378 over those four appearances. Um is it just is it just kind of a slump that everybody goes through, or, you know, or is it, is there anything to to what he's kind of struggled with over the past few outings? Not, not sure what uh, you know that last outing when he faced five batters didn't get anybody out. That was really a bad really one. Low. We're not used to seeing him at that level, um, and I don't know whether there that one just he just uh, you know he walked two of five, so he wasn't putting the ball where he wanted to, and if he did put it over the plate, it probably found too much of the plate, right. and it's just a really a bad outing for him. Which look when much unlike Givens. Even though when he struggled, we usually haven't seen that. So I'm not sure where he's at. I mean, I think he's a mentally tough kid, and he's going to have to show it now because when you get back out there, 
if you're human, and that we all are, your confidence takes a hit, even the top athletes, sure. uh, when you don't perform at the level you want. And so you have to kind of get back on the horse, and I'm sure Buck will probably find a good spot for him to do that. And, you know, he's still a key member here, and um, I think we've even seen Zach Britton have a couple unusual. And I, but yet I was looking at his season stats, and I'm like, somebody asked me yesterday in an interview, am I worried about Britton? I said, come on. That's oh, my a, gosh. That's the last guy <laughs> to be worried, worried about. Wow. But, but you know, look at his season stats. They're just so fantastic. I mean, you, we forget how good this guy is. And then you look at the actual numbers, and you're like, wow. Right. I mean, this guy has been sensational. Right. So, but getting back to Givens, I, I expect to see a return to better form. I just think Michael uh, has got the talent. This issue with left-handed hitters, he's going to bring that down, too. They're not going to hit 400 against him all year. Right. So um, some good outings are coming. Yeah, and I think um, there was some clamoring about, or did, did Buck leave Givens in too long on Tuesday? Listen, Buck's one of the top managers in baseball, and the reason he's up there, he, he's known for his bullpen management, how to, right. to effectively use these guys in what situations. And, um, again, I think that's where, fa- as fans, you might have to plead a little bit of ignorance as to what, what's going on, what the what the master plan is when Buck's looking at things. Obviously, it wasn't pretty to see you know the bullpen kind of implode there on Tuesday night. But, uh, again, it, it actually served well because on Wednesday, the day after, hey, Baldo came out, got the good start, and then the bullpen. Right, and Brock pitched two innings now. So, exactly. And I think that night in question with Givens, he wasn't going to use Brock. Right. Though day out, he seems to have used either Givens or Brock and Britton. That seems to be his mode. Use two of those three, not all three, where the other one can go long the next night. It's kind of, he's kind of to manage it and massage it right now. So sometimes as fans, we think, just get Brock in there, but right. he, he doesn't want to use him that night. And sometimes the game gets away because of it. But I think, as you said, overall, his plan is sound. How he uses these guys is sound. And, you know, Givens that night was a ground ball away from a double play, and all of a sudden this terrible outing. Oh, he's out of the inning. Wheels come off the card. He didn't get it. You know, some nights they they get it, and that night wasn't one of them. Right, and I think think if if I remember correctly, Brock had pitched on that Saturday and Sunday uh, prior to that that series and, and didn't travel with the team for Monday's one game series in Texas. That's right. Um, so they, definitely there was there was really no situation where Brock was going to come in. He's, he's As a manager he's, you got to yeah. be very tempted, you know, but when sure. but but when you're tempted if you just keep using these guys, you're going to look up one day and go I've used him 6 of 8 days and he's going to pitch 20 more innings this year than last year. And in August and September, all of a sudden, if he's not effective in, in what then will seem like the biggest games of the year, you know, every day it's a big game right in front of you. But then when you get to the late games and you want guys playing well late, you know, as a manager, you're managing for that night, but you always have the big picture in mind. And so a buck is proud of the fact that, that a lot of these guys have stayed healthy. Um, and a lot of these guys have, they, they don't lead the league in appearances and he, he even the other night he used Britain in a five-run game because Britain felt he needed it. He wanted to go back to back. He he had been pitching every three four days, and Britain kind of um, wanted to go out there, so he pitched him in a seven-two game. That's why. But knowing when to use him, when to give him a day, when he needs an inning, even if the score is seven to two, these are all things that over the long haul lead to good results absolutely and, and buck you got to trust at least in that regard because that's uh certainly where he and i think he i think he takes pride in having a great unit like pride. that i think that's something where he can kind of demonstrate and say hey um th- this is where my skill set lies where i can pick and choose and say hey you, oh, you yeah. go in there and even warming guys up i mean right. there there have been times over the years we've seen managers here in baltimore a guy warmed up three times didn't get in the game i mean if you're a player 
that's got to not, not only drive you crazy, but your arm is – you're throwing those pitches right. at almost game speed. Sure. So you threw 40 pitches and you never got to face a batter. Right. And so uh, they keep track of that too. And, I mean, they just – this wear and tear, it's very – you know, they really got to be on top of it. Absolutely. Um, so just switching gears, you know, before we, we get together every week, I always try to look through the recent weeks and the stats and just kind of get an idea for, hey, what, what are the what are the the, uh, the hard-hitting stories or things that maybe people haven't taken notice of. And I kind of wanted to switch gears and talk a little bit about uh, Matt Wieters, who mm-hmm. um, we talk about uh, Trumbo with the home runs, and you know, I think he's, he's still – tied with a couple other guys atop the majors for home runs and uh, Machado coming back to the lineup and everything like that. But I think Wieters is kind of quietly uh, had a really nice June. Um, looking at his last two weeks, he's hitting 310. Uh, in the last week itself, he's 467. So he, he had a really good yeah. couple couple stretches there. And, um, I, you know, he's always been a guy where – Talk about lofty expectations when he was drafted, when he oh, debuted. Yeah. Um, defensively and as a, a sort of a game manager from the catcher position, I think he's uh, certainly you know fit the bill there. I think if there was any sort of uh, downward area in terms of expectations, it was at the plate. You know, with with uh, maybe people thought he'd have a little bit more power, a little bit more bat speed, but he's kind of putting together a, a nice season, especially considering he's he's been battling some injuries over the past few. Yeah, years. he's had some ups. Uh, the last month for him, if you go back his game by game, he had a real tear. Then he went like two for 25 or something like that, and now he's like seven for 12, something right. like that. So it's been a little hot and cold and hot again, but two out of three hot will help your it's average. Like that. yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's a series win there. <laughs> it's just the way these guys do it. I mean, there's never a straight line of performance. There's usually a little up, a little down, a little up, and at the end you hope you know, you're more on the up end. And so he's swinging well. He's had some very big hits for the team, as we know, very big hits late in the games, right. a couple walk-off wins. Solid year, which is going to eventually lead to the Orioles having another tough decision to make. Right. Whether this guy gets this is a contract uh, year, and he's, right. he's showing it, you know. And whether they sign him long term, try to. Whether they go qualifying offer again. Whether they just let him walk. I mean, there's going to be some uh, decisions to make. Absolutely, and thank thank goodness we don't have to be the ones to make those decisions. So, but uh, you you mentioned the the late hits and 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 sort of the, the clutch timing there. I kind of was pulling up his split stats for this year and. Mm-hmm. In innings, in the first three innings, innings one through three, which is generally his his first AB, um, right. he's hitting uh, one forty three. Not great. Only eight hits all year in that time. You flash forward the next three innings, innings four to six, average jumps to three thirty nine mm-hmm. with twenty one hits. And the last three innings of the game, assuming it's a nine inning game, three seventeen. So I mean, you talk about a guy that hey, maybe you know just it takes maybe just takes one at bat to see what yeah. the opposing pitcher's got, and then he comes back up and and really has the advantage, but. I tell you, I, most of the time, I think obviously you'd want to take a hit every time, but having those guys that can hit for well for average late in the game when you might need that situation uh, is certainly preferable. Yeah, it's a nice stat for him, and you know a lot of times there he's facing a short, a late inning reliever who's right. prone ninety five probably, so that's good because you know in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, a lot of times the starter's gone by then, and and they turn it over to their top late inning guys. So right. guys with good late inning stats are doing it usually against guys who really bring can bring the fastball. Absolutely. Um, so I. I I was on the editorial desk this morning, so I was I was going through the morning copy and read all that, and I wanted to kind of give you a shout-out and let you talk a little bit about your story this morning on uh, Wells, the left-hander, Alexander Wells from Australia. Yeah. Um, I think 
I'm kind of uh, just as a fan intrigued by international baseball and, and finding those talents. And I know ever since Duquette's been here, uh, he's kind of put an emphasis on on looking outside, you know, the, the North America for uh, right. for different baseball talents. And it sounds like Wells. I mean, it's a short sample, small sample size, of course, but yeah. um, just. You know what? What can you tell me about Wells and just what what has uh, what have the scouts seen from him? Well, you know he's from Australia, and people who haven't yet read the story can read it to find out his brother, I believe you pronounce it Lachlan, was signed in 2014 by the Twins, and he's a twin brother. So the Twins could have signed twins. Think of the T-shirts with that. You know, how did they miss out on that? (laughs) So the Orioles signed the other twin, Alexander, who I got to meet an interview yesterday in Aberdeen. He's really a nice young kid. And he's off to a good start, and the Oral people have said they really like his maturity, and he's got a good pitch mix, and he seems pretty savvy beyond 19. And, you know, my question to him was, how the heck did the Orioles find you in Australia? And he told me there's a three-week academy where I guess maybe some of the top players in the country go, and I'm sure all the teams are there. And the Orioles followed him through that, and they followed him in some junior national championships, and then they knew of his brother. And so Brett Ward was the international scout who signed him along, I believe, with Mike Snyder. And so, uh, you know, no, I'm not selling this kid as a next great pitching prospect for the Orioles. Maybe he will be, but he's, pro- you know, what he's shown so far is promising. It was, he's, he's made two pro starts, and they've been good. Right. He pitched an extended spring before Aberdeen. And so uh, he does seem more mature than 19, you know, for his age. And I was impressed with him. And, you know, the thing about that Aberdeen team that, that to me, just looking at the roster, I'm like, there's like 10 countries represented. It's amazing. Look at players from the Dominican, Venezuela, Mexico, Curacao, Taiwan, uh, Australia. I'm wondering how they communicate. Right, how do you manage that? (laughs) And, you know, the manager, Luis Pujols, told me, sometimes I have to talk to this kid to talk to that kid because he can help me better because they don't all have translators like they might in the big leagues. And, you know, um, the international flavor of the game, people don't understand things like they have to, sometimes they might have to have two or three team meetings. One for the English-speaking players, one for the Spanish-speaking players, maybe one for the players from the Far East. You know, it's not easy, but it's an international game, and 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 most clubhouses are made up of 25 or 30 percent players who are not born in the United States. And if you want to be good for a long period of time, you have to have international talent. Right. You can't just say we're a, we're a domestic operation. That that day has gone way, 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 way down the road. So exciting for the Orioles to have found a kid in Australia. Yeah, that's a long way from home that's... for the Orioles and Alexander Wells to be here now. And so he'll be a fun guy to watch uh, over the next few years. Boy, and just and just thinking about the, the managing, you know, in a in a place like Aberdeen where you've got all those language barriers and all those meetings, and on top of that. Of course, you as a manager, you want the team to win, but right. your primary goal is to develop the talent, and that might exactly. not always translate to wins. Which you know, a team can you know, fans can look at the record and see that they're ten games under five hundred, and say, "Man, is our farm system weak?" Well, no, that, that could be so far from the truth. It's all about using the guys in different situations. You, you I can't completely fathom. nailed it. Right, the record that Aberdeen puts out this year, I'm not going to say is irrelevant, but it, it, it it's more important as Luis Pulhos knows. He's a veteran guy. Uh, to get them to play together, to get them to know and like each other, to get them to understand how the Orioles do things, to understand cutoff plays, pickoff plays, double plays, execute the way that Buck Showalter wants them when they get here, that they do on the farm. They do everything the same, pickoffs and plays that they do in Baltimore. It's uniform in the system now. And there's so much. Managing in the minor leagues is a thousand percent different than managing in the majors. You make moves sometimes that are development moves they're not directly related to winning that night. With a lot 
less glory too. Oftentimes, it's a lot less yeah. glory. Long bus rides. The pay is not nearly what it is here in Baltimore, and so um, I, I respect those guys. And the miners, it's one of a thousand reasons I love the miners. I could probably list two thousand as I do, sure. as you know. And so um, even Pujols, who's from the Dominican, who once managed in the majors, by the way, uh, it was an interim manager many years ago, says, uh, and this is his word, he says, uh, you know, these guys sometimes have a hard time understanding my Spanglish. And he says, and now I have a hard time understanding some of them. And we've got this, uh, as he called it, United Nations Clubhouse. Nice. Uh, uh, I think the Aberdeen team is going to be fun to watch because there's some interesting kids there. And... uh, as, as you stated, if, if the kid's hitting 270, that might be the best he can do right now. And that same kid might be hitting 320 in two years. You really have to look at a big, long picture in the minors. And I know in this instant society where what did he do today? I got to know what he's doing today and where he'll be tomorrow. It doesn't always match up. But for the professionals on the farm, they understand that big picture. Absolutely. And, again, the story on Wells on MassInSports.com. Make sure you check it out. Just wrapping things up, um, Orioles are set to start a four-game homestand against the Rays. Uh, includes a doubleheader tomorrow from an earlier rainout. So right. uh, Rays have been struggling. They're currently at the bottom of the ALE, so we'll see how that goes. The Rays play the Orioles tough, though, so it's it's Seem not to, a yeah. – uh, you know, certainly don't think take things for granted there. Um it will be nice. The Orioles are one of the best teams at home, so hopefully they can take advantage of this four-game series because up next, is they have an off day Monday, but then they hit the road for one of those long West Tough Coast trips. Trip. And, you know, once you're out there, okay, you can kind of get settled in, but, it, you know, it's not a it's not a quick jump there. Uh, so they'll have a no. pair. It's against San Diego, who they just saw last week, uh, four against the Mariners, and uh, three against the Dodgers over the 4th of July weekend. So, um a little West Coast baseball, it's always a little bit different, but yeah. um, we'll see how they can come and Clayton off Clayton Kershaw is scheduled to pitch in that series. So some of us have already looked that far ahead to see if he would pitch. Oh, I hear, I hear he's doing all right. <laughs> and he right, would be so. due to pitch in that series, which would be kind of interesting to watch. But, uh, you know, it starts with this weekend, and, I, and the Orioles will never take the race lightly. And I think some fans will say they've lost seven in a row, just run over them. But you can't just uh, – you know, they the race, if they can, right? <laughs> the, the fact the Rays have lost seven in a row just tells me they're going to start beating some people soon. You hope right. it's not the Orioles. And uh, I think it will be an interesting weekend. Uh, the Rays – Pitchers have not pitched up to the level they expect. Archer and, and we won't see, but others are not pitching. Right. You know, they're hitting a lot of home runs. We didn't expect that. And they're pitching not as well. We didn't expect that either. So that that's where we're at right now. Great. So we'll uh, we'll sign off for this week. We'll see you next week um, uh, on MassInSports.com. Be sure to check us out. Yardwork Podcast, Steve Molesky and Brian Eller. Signing off. Have a good weekend. All right, Brian. <laughs>